Welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Paul Rickard, filling in for Peter Switzer. On tonight's show, June Bay Lu, the lead portfolio manager at Tribeca Investments, joins me to discuss the impact of higher interest rates and look back at reporting season. She nominates three stocks in different industries covering wine, jewellery and milk that she thinks reported pretty strongly and looked reasonably good buying. And then we'll take a closer look at, at the RBA tomorrow and also the expectations around peak inflation, when that might be, and what that means to the future of interest rates. That's with Diana Messina. She's a, the senior economist at AMP Capital. Now, before we begin, you've got to say that today's market held up reasonably well, notwithstanding the lead from the US. Certainly great performances from our uh, energy, oil, and uh, uranium stocks as uh, the world looks forward to, or the world looks at what's going on overseas and fears about the, the increasing, uh, I guess, crisis in terms of energy stocks. So a lot of support for the Australian uh, energy producers in the Australian market, notwithstanding a poor lead from the United States. But I think we're still getting through reporting season, which you'd have to say uh, wasn't too bad. And so that's one of the reasons why the Aussie market has held up pretty well, notwithstanding the lead from the US. And clearly what the US is worried about is the Fed, how hard is it going to go? And did we actually see the bottom of the market in June or has the rally in July and August been a false dawn? Certainly I think there are more people coming back to the view that the market's going to do a little tough in, in September, October, traditionally weak months in the market. But for me, the big number comes on Tuesday, Tuesday the 13th of September, that's Tuesday week. Uh, when we get the next read on US inflation. And if inflation is trending down again, which is what was showed when we got the July result, I think the market might just start to believe that the Fed may actually be a bit more nuanced in terms of how hard it goes. So that's a really big number. Uh, and until then, I guess we might have a reasonably quiet week in store. Okay, let's kick off the show. First up is uh, June Bailu, the lead portfolio manager at Tribeca Investments. Jen, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Let's get a quick stack on where you think the market's at at the moment. We've obviously had a few you know, bad days in the US, the Australian mm. market. It hasn't gone quite as far. We seem to be holding up a little bit better up mm. post-reporting season. Mm. Are we sort of in that sort of uh, wait period to know whether you know, July and August was a full storm and we really saw <laughs> the bottom in June? Or how do you sort of read the the market at the moment? Uh, look, of course, uh, look, there's been plenty of people predicting the market is going to have a bit of a uh, um, you know, crash in September, given how strong the July and August was. But ultimately, uh, when you look at it, is that uh, we had a really good reporting season. Mm -hmm. So the corporate earnings was pretty strong and the balance sheet is very strong and consumers holding up. And this is not just Australia, this is the US and around the world as well. So things are holding up um, a bit better than people expected. And then if you look at the outlook, um, you know, the, the on the revenue front, um, um, the, the, we actually have had some of the biggest revenue upgrades in the last 20 years. So the revenue upgrade was very strong for uh, for the next 12 month outlook. Even though, of course, mm -hmm. the cost is going to be higher, we all know what's um, you know what's impacting there. But uh, net net, the earnings um, is, is looking pretty good for the next 12 months. So for us, this is a pretty positive sign for uh, for the equity market. Um, and then on the other part is that you know the interest rate. Clearly, equity market. There's two yep, things. Yep. One is earnings, and one is evaluation. Um, and then the earnings 
seems to be holding up well, good balance sheet. And then the valuation, we saw the valuation derail really in the last six months, and we feel that is pretty much done. Um, now the next part is where you know where the interest rates are going to be substantially higher than expected. At this point, it doesn't seem so. Um, I do think. What that about the argument mm -hmm. that a lot of people are raising now that mm -hmm. maybe we might have? not just higher interest rates, but a lot, they might stay higher for a lot longer. In other words, um, you know, the, with the, the Fed and, and mm. the RBA, and, it get, and they're going to find it hard to get inflation back down to their target level. So mm. they might be able to bring inflation down, but mm. you know, will we get back to between two and 3% in Australia? That's going to be hard work. And so we might just end up with you know, higher, a higher cash rate for longer. Do you, do you mm. think there's much in that? I think there is a chance. So um, on that cyclical front, you do have to see what the inflation does. Now, a big part of inflation is material, raw material and things. Mm -hmm. That's coming off and even the oil price has sort of come off somewhat, even though, you know, there's maybe a little bit of spike more recently, <laughs> but that's volatile. So, but everything else together, it's been coming off. Now, labor cost is going to be built in and that will take a very long time to come through. Mm -hmm. So that probably means the interest rate does need moved higher, uh, probably closer to 3% than the 2% uh, over the long run. Um, so on that basis, it will have to move. So this is when you look at the share market going, what sector do I want to be exposed yep. to? Because uncertainty lies in more economically, uh, economic activity linked sectors like, you know, consumer, yep. or, you know, anything that's linked to economic activity. Um, but our performance will come from the ones that's kind of more structural growth and that sort of space. Okay, well, let's go to some uh, companies that did well in reporting season, mm. that companies you like. Let's, let's, I think you've nominated three in particular. Let's, mm. let's start with LaVisa Holdings. Mm, absolutely. Look, let's just um, explain what LaVisa is. I don't know if everyone knows. Sure. Probably don't buy the sort of jewellery that... That's right, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, look, uh, LaVisa is a... Is a um, a fast rollout um, retail business that sells, I always call it sell trinkets. Um, they sell sort of, you know, costume jewelries and the like. And mass, for, ma mass jewelry, that, that's mass, right. Mass market jewelry. That's right, right yeah. yeah. So, um, and, um, and it has a huge appeal to, um, or the mass market, the younger generation. And uh, and it's very much, it's earnings very much linked to the event driven. So you're, when people go to the races and then they will mm -hmm. dress up uh, rather than, you know, during the COVID when people stay at home, they don't quite so buy that much of the, um, you know, these sort of costumes jewelry so the business itself is doing incredibly well it's one of the retailers um, that is actually still yet to return full earning potential just for the existing business mm -hmm. um, just because events and things and the mobility people only just started getting out and about and going to events so that part of the earning is growing really well now don't forget this company is actually growing super fast not just on that but rolling out a lot of stores next 12 months they're gonna roll out more than 130 stores so around the world international business right it's an international yeah. business. So this is the environment where you don't want to buy a mature retailer. You want to buy a retailer that has store rollout because each store, when you roll out, take a couple of years to mature and it adds to the organic growth. So you really want to be in those businesses. And Lovisa has demonstrated the ability to, um, you know, sell through to so many markets. And then, um, you know, they're in the US, they're in the Europe, and then there's a couple of other markets like Mexico or Italy potentially coming online in the next few years. So, you know, there's a lot of growth potential uh, really for a very simple business business and that it really resonate with the consumer um, and to us this company is going uh, you know over 20% growth um, with a very reasonable multiple clearly more expensive than other retailers but this is a retailer that will actually grow for you and that you were pretty impressed with the report yeah, the result was fantastic. Um, not only they have beaten the very um, high expectations mm -hmm. people have had for them, um, they also added to uh, quite a lot of earnings upgrade in the next few years with a higher um, store rollout. 
Let's go to a slightly different demographic. Maybe there's some overlap, mm. but let's go to a, the, the demographic that likes wine, treasury, mm. particularly premium wines, mm. treasury wine estates. Yeah, look, this is another company that, um, you know, you certainly want to have your part of your portfolio in because its earnings not really linked to the economic activity. Uh, has a great brand. A few years ago, gone through challenge of mm. China imposing tariff and things. Um, and uh, the latest result, they have demonstrated now they can sell their premium wine through to other Asian markets as well as, you know, other regions as well. Um, and then the growth in those markets has been substantial. And now they have really fully cycled the period where they used to have um, the Chinese market and yep. now they you know they're going through growth they, they rebase their earning they are growing from here this company have very strong balance sheet um, and the, the growth is in the double digit and it's trading on close to 20 times earnings and that is not expensive for the current market for that kind of growth that you receive I think uh, we, we might begin a chart up but, but one of the interesting things about TWE has been mm. it, it's sort of been uh, it hasn't had much downside right it fell and mm. then in the last sort of 12 18 months it's, mm. it's, it's shown a really good bottom all the time right obviously there's there are institutions coming in and buying it wherever it gets too cheap so that's right yeah. so uh, you remember it's got all these uh, penfolds and the premium wine sitting in and the the farms uh, in Napa Valley and uh, in LA so you know sort of sitting on its balance sheet uh, and then that sort of value that hard asset value is about nine nine dollar fifty um, so and then share price is over 13 so you know you've got a pretty heavy hefty um, asset value underpinning this stock uh, balance sheet is very strong so um, and then this is not to mention the premium label you know yeah. that premium valuation so um, it's uh, it's very defensive. Is it is slow mover up because it seems like the market really wants to own it but mm. they're not the, the growth is there, but it's mm. taking because they're recovering, finding new markets to replace mm. China. That's taking a while, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So for the stock is really um, they they they're already finding the new market. So you should see it gradually grinding towards the um, you know give you that twenty percent return because the stock itself is growing at the high double digit um, type of growth, and you have a bit of revaluation. So on a twelve month view, you probably see it grow, gradually grinding to a higher. But it's not a volatile stock where you see you know up twenty percent, down twenty percent that type of stock because it's very defensive. Okay, so from jewellery to wine, now to milk, right? So <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about a, a A2 milk. Once mm. a perennial darling of the market, mm. price over $20, got to about $3.90, mm. I think in about May. Mm. Uh, bounced back last week about $5.80, mm. a little bit lower today, but uh, it reported strongly, didn't it? reported very strongly again analysts didn't quite expect much result out of them because analysts all became very pessimistic leading up to the result because as you know China is mm -hmm. a big market for this company and then China went into lockdown yep, just a few yep, months before yep. and clearly things were going to be challenged but what was amazing that this company came through not only reported good numbers they reported the gaining of market share in that market um, you know for, for this business it's actually not about what overall market is doing because it only has less than three percent market share yep. Yeah. It's a market share story, and they managed to demonstrate that they've done that, um, and they managed to demonstrate that the pricing shelf shelf price has that has been stabilised, and that's very important to show that the, it is selling through. Um, and um, balance sheet has been fantastic, so um, you know, really from here on, you should see things getting better for this business. So the market they didn't react. We took the price higher. The analysts, some of the analysts, haven't really haven't got too positive on the stock, have they? Is it, uh, is it because they've been bitten? I mean, like, I remember a lot of analysts loved it at $20 and you see that analysts like, they're humans, right? And when they, uh, when they <laughs> make a big mistake, as we all do, you know, you sort of 
it's hard to turn around again. But I noticed some of the analysts, if anything, reduced their target price following the result, notwithstanding the rally in the in the share price. That's right. So um, I tell you what, you're absolutely right. The behavioural bias of analysts are absolutely very, very strong, especially for companies that's gone up and gone down so much yeah. in within 12 months. Um, so yes, there's an element of that. And then two is that there's some analysts a little bit think, well, they're trying to be very tactical these days. Analysts sometimes can be a bit short term, um, trying to be tactical, saying, oh, look, this company's got this license renewal coming through uh, with China um, and um, this process could take 12 months and potentially could act as a cap for the share price. Um, now the company's already put in or the application, they, in fact they already started that renewal process mm -hmm. six months, well 12 months ago um, and um, and it's not due until next year so you know we certainly expect them to receive that but um, um, this is what analysts trying to be a little bit more tactical. And, and really A2 Milk is a marketing company right? Mm -hmm. I mean although it has some manufacturing capability it, mm. it's really about marketing and sales. Isn't a relationship. It? And a relationship and everything. Yeah. Absolutely it's, yeah. the, it's, it's a brand business um, and um, you know uh, that's why it can generate so much um, such a high return for this business um, and um, and then it's in many markets now a bit like Treasury Wine in many market US here and there. Mm. Um, I think there was also another level of disappointment that they didn't get the license short-term license to the US yeah. market. There had, had been some build-up that they might follow by <laughs> That's and right. perhaps with the, yeah. uh, you know, the US government in sort of urgently trying to build, get purchase uh, infant formula product, but they didn't get a license in the yeah. US and there's perhaps that disappointment in the market? Or? Yeah, look, honestly, um, you know, uh, yes, there was a bit of build up to it, but that market would have meant so little for this business because it was this business was entirely built towards the Chinese Asian market. Yeah. Um, the US market, now that if you look at the short term uh, opportunity, it would have been so minimal to the actual earning to A2 if they do get a license. Um, and also given how many competitors now entering to that market, even if it becomes long-term uh, long license, uh, it will be so competitive in that market, the overall margin you can expect from it will be very, very small. That was June Bailu, the lead portfolio manager from Tribeca Investments, with her three report stars from reporting season covering wine, jewellery and milk. Well, the Reserve Bank meets tomorrow and everyone's factoring in a half percent increase. But to, to talk about what might happen tomorrow, but more importantly, just how high interest rates in Australia might go and what that means in terms of peak inflation is uh, Diana Messina from the AMP. She joins me now to talk about, particularly about uh, peak inflation. But let's start with the RBA tomorrow. Um, what are you expecting? Well, we think another 50 basis point hike tomorrow to me, it seems like a bit of a done deal mm -hmm. with the RBA talking about the need to normalise policy, getting worried about inflation expectations becoming unanchored in their terms, even though I don't think that they are unanchored, but this is what the RBA is worried about, looking to the other global central banks and seeing some of the issues around potentially not going hard mm -hmm. early and seeing inflation get out of control. The market's still factoring in about 40 basis point hike tomorrow, so between 25 and 50. Uh, but we think 50 tomorrow and then one or two more after that. So we are probably reaching the end of this rate hiking cycle. That would take the rate to 2.35%. Just how much pressure is there, do you think, uh, for central banks to follow each other? So we've seen some noises out of the United States about uh, the US uh, Federal Reserve suggesting that uh, they're going to do it pretty tough with inflation. The European Central Bank last week we were talking about hiking rates. Is there pressure for 
you know, the, the Australian RBA governor feels to sort of be following almost the club of central banks? The only reason that there would be pressure is because, one, you have the same factors dominating and driving the inflation story, which there are some of these mm -hmm. things going on globally, like high energy prices, high commodity prices feeding through into CPIs around the world. And the second is around the impact of the currency from not following the same rate hikes as your other global peers. So if the RBA didn't hike rates as aggressively as they would have, maybe the Aussie dollar would have been lower than it is. And it has actually been underperforming quite a lot this year, but that's only because the US dollar has been yeah. so strong. So that would factor into the RBA's thinking. But I think for them, that it's more just that they're worried about the inflation story and that they want to get inflation under control. Okay, let's talk about inflation. So uh, how high will inflation go in Australia? Our forecast is uh, pretty consensus at the moment. Uh, we think it will peak at about 7.5% on a year-on-year -year basis mm -hmm. by the end of this year. The RBA is somewhere similar, and so is the Treasury, and the consensus of economists is also around 7 to 8%. The risk is that you see energy and commodity prices go higher, which will push up the rate of inflation, so maybe our forecast is too low. But I think that over the next few months, what we're actually going to see is inflation will come down quite quickly from its from that from that peak rate after we get it in in December in early 2023. I think inflation will come down quite quickly in Australia because some of those key drivers like energy, petrol prices, mm -hmm. food, uh, they will all start to come out, and we can see some of those supply side issues and pressures on inflation becoming a lot better over the last few months. Our inflation in indicator has been falling quite dramatically over the past few weeks or, and months, really. And so I think it is a sign that inflation is set to slow. The risk is so that... So what, what do you look at there to... Uh, you said your indicator. Just yep. what, what are some of the factors you look at there? So we've built this inflation indicator that looks at some of these supply-side pressures that we have going on at the moment, the uh, semiconductor prices, commodity prices, shipping costs, mm -hmm. container costs freight costs around the world. And then we also have an inflation indicator that looks more at capacity utilization and spare capacity. The supply side indicator has been falling for a number of months and the fall is accelerating quite a lot. So uh, that's good news for mm -hmm. inflation yep. over the next yep. six months. The risk is that in the second half of next year, you'll see this, dr this dramatic fall in, in annual inflation, but it will still remain high in annual terms at around 3 to 4%, so higher than what the central banks would like, which is so, 2%. So what does the RBA do with its, it has a target of, of uh, you know, like to see inflation between 2 and 3%. You're saying that when inflation does fall, it's more likely to be sort of 3 to 4%. Mm -hmm. Does that mean we're in for a long period of, of higher interest rates? What do you sort of think that means for, for monetary policy and potentially impacts mm -hmm. on the equities market, I guess, share market as well? Yeah, so I think the, the risk is that in the next, um, six months we'll see share markets becoming more optimistic around a potential pivot that the mm -hmm. central banks will do in terms of uh, not being so aggressive in rate hikes and they'll see that inflation is starting to come down and equity markets will get excited by that but then uh, the risk is that the RBA will actually have to do more hikes later next year. I mean we do expect cuts actually from from yeah. from the RBA next year at this stage because we think that they're, they're over tightening at the moment but if inflation stays at that 3 to 4% band, then the risk is of, of more hikes into next year, and that could be taken negatively by, by share markets. So we're currently about, if, if you're right, half percent tomorrow, 2.35%. So sort of peak cash rate this year, where, where do you see by the end of the year? 
probably somewhere between 2.6 to 3%, which right. is still a lot lower than what uh, financial markets are pricing in. Uh, markets are pricing in a cash rate peak of between 35 to 4%. It moves around a little bit. Yeah. And the consensus of economists, I'd say, is somewhere at about 3.5% as well. So our expectation is still lower. We don't think that the economy can sustain a cash rate much above 3% on a sustainable basis. Okay. Now, we appear to be lagging the US. I mean, we had some mm -hmm. data there last month that where US inflation uh, went down. Mm -hmm. uh, we're expecting another read uh, in a, in a Next Tuesday week, I think it mm -hmm. is, from the States. Uh, are you expecting, is, has inflation peaked in the US as well? In the US, we think inflation has peaked, right. based on these, some of these indicators around the, the supply chain costs and pressures. Uh, in the US, though, I think, uh, again, similar to Australia, that inflation will come down quite quickly. And that, because we already see the peak in US inflation, I think it will start to come down from here. But You've also got rents going up in the US. Wages growth is very high in the US, much higher than it mm. is in Australia. It's double the rate that it is in Australia. So you have these other factors that will keep inflation a lot uh, higher than what the Fed would like to see. So I think inflation will also be sticky in the US between 4 to 5% next year. So I guess sort of summing up, uh, inflation's peaked in the US, will peak in Australia in a couple of months' time, mm -hmm. will come down, but... We'll, stick, we'll be at slightly higher levels than we might yeah. have imagined, which probably means higher cash rates in the longer term. Is that, is that right. sort of... Uh, You've summed it up perfectly. I've summed it up really. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's, let's see if you're right tomorrow. I think they'll go half a percent, but uh, we'll find out at, uh, at 2.30pm. That's uh, Diana Messina from uh, Senior Economist with the AMP Capital. Her thoughts about inflation and what to expect uh, tomorrow from the Reserve Bank. That's the show for tonight. Don't forget you can get more information at switzerreport.com.au. And in particular, I give my view on A2 Milk, and you can see whether I agree with what June Bailu had to say, what investors should do, and potentially what traders might look to do as well. So that's switzerreport.com.au. Thanks for joining us. See you on Thursday.